Hello and welcome to Nikon Report, your weekly roundup of all the latest Nikon news and all other photograph announcements that we found interesting is constant here. And on another side of the screen is Becky. <laughs> all right, still still where you are? Yes. Still going. Yeah, no, yeah, you know they miss you over here. So you know what well, you know, we want Becky, they say, you know. And I just saying, guys, you're stuck with me for all of this beautiful Nikon coverage with corn, but we all wait for you here. Just a little bit longer. I'll I'll eventually decide I want to come home, but not yet. Hanging in there. All right. Okay. Well, let's go to the news then. I don't want to keep you for too long. So first one up, Nikon USA launched much rebates and we have several items being discounted. So first one up is a Nikon D850, which is really difficult apparently to come by on this side of the world. So we got $200 of there and then we got 2875 2.8 is on discount. That lens just came out very recently. And we also have the pancake or muffin lenses, 28mm 2.8Z and 40mm 2.8. 40mm f2 lens. So we got $30 of those as well. It's interesting that they're rebating brand new products like the 28 to 75 new releases. That makes me wonder, first of all, why? But second of all, if we'll see similar rebates over here in Europe for the spring. Okay, I don't want to sound negative, but do you think the discount of 28 to 75 of 2.8 lens has something to do with assumption into Tamron lens? Possibly that, possibly because it didn't have as big an uptake. At least from our side of things, we didn't get as many pre-orders perhaps as we would for other items. So maybe the situation is the same in the Nikon USA world and they're rebating it because they want to shift stock early on. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. On another side of things, obviously 28 and 40 millimeter were bargains before, but with a $30 additional discount, which is probably the price of a lens hood or a filter perhaps, uh, I think they, they became even more desired. Very attractive prices indeed. All right. Well, now we're going to move to India and apparently Nikon India added Z24 to 120 f4 lens into Z6 Mark II kit. That's a very interesting one because we don't have the same kit here. What do you think, Bex? Are they ever going to add the 24 to 120 lens into the kit? Certainly not the Z6 II from what I can see. For countries like India and primarily India but other countries, they do make different kits. For example, we saw the rumor of a D3500 18 to 140 kit some time back, which is available in places like India but isn't available in Europe. So it's possible that they might do it for a future iteration of the Z6 III. That's true. But mm -hmm. I don't think they'll do it for the Z6 II. That's true. And, uh, you know, with the upcoming uh, price increase, they also streamlined their offerings and actually they removed certain bits. So the only kit you can have is literally the Z6 II with 2470 F4 in UK. You can't have FTZ together. You have to buy them separately, even if it's a discount, but they're not going to have different SKU for that. So a very interesting. I personally think that 24 to 120, which we reviewed, very recently is a fantastic lens. It's definitely the best 24 to 120 from Nikon. I guess if you bundle it up with camera like Z6 II, you would have a good discount together. So it would be an interesting way to have a nice saving when buying things together. Absolutely. In contrast, the Z5 has multiple kit options. So the Z5 has the 24 to 50, 24 to 70 f4, and the 24 to 200, all those kit options with it. So I don't know, maybe they'll add another Z5 kit to the mix and do a 24 120 option. All right. Well, you know what? You mentioned 24 to 200 lens, which I reviewed back in the day and I really liked. And I can tell you that I finally managed to get one. Yay. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> Proof. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be my holiday lens. It's uh, all rounder. Uh, wouldn't say it's the sharpest lens in the world, but it is definitely, 
I would say as from all rounds again, it's the sharpest one of, of them all. And uh, while it's not going to win any awards in terms of image quality, I think it's a very convenient lens to have. Very nice. Now let's move on to rumors territory. There is a new um, rumor floating around that Nikon is developing a full frame mirrorless camera codenamed Z4 without EVF. So think about Z30, which has been rumored for some time, but a full frame and without EVF. So that is based on the design registration that apparently was registered in Japan in 2021. And if you look at the schematics, it's basically it looks like a camera without the EVF and with very minimal physical interface. I personally think that probably EVF would be built in, but it would be, instead of looking like a prism, it would be on the side similar to something like XE2 Fujifilm or Sony has similar A7C camera. What do you think, Becky? I mean, this one came from a fairly new website, which is called The New Camera, but then Asobinet, which is a Japanese website, uh, also publishing rumors, they kind of confirmed on that. So it hasn't been on Nikon Rumors as of yet. They may publish later on. So, But what do you think? Is this thing a thing or is it just imagination of someone? I think that it's uh, an interesting idea, certainly an interesting concept. I don't know how much demand there would be for something like this. Obviously, it all comes down to the price ultimately, but not having an EVF would put a lot of people off unless it's designed to be a full, uh, you know, an entry level camera. But it says full size Z. So yeah. if a full frame entry level camera, those two words don't usually go hand in hand. I'd be really, really surprised if this ever came to fruition. I totally agree with you. And then obviously, don't forget, we have Z5. It doesn't make sense to have no EVF for full frame cameras. So I personally think if you imagine yeah, something like a EVF, but a smaller one built in on the side of the camera, that, that could be a case, but it's more likely for Z30 to happen than something like this. And again, according to the new camera website, they also say that Z5 II apparently is in development, which again, if you think if it's in development, then what's the point of Z4? Uh, they also say Z8 is in development as well as Z6 Mark III, which is supposed to happen between August and October this year. Very interesting. I would take these rumors with a good bucket full of salt <laughs> as opposed to just a pinch of salt. Yeah, although I do expect that the Z6 II will be replaced at some point in the future, it seems odd to replace it so soon, particularly if those Z8 rumors are true. It, it seems an odd kind of timeline, don't you think? Uh, well, yes and no, because if you look at the release of the Z6 camera, so the first Z6 released in August 2018, Z6 II released in October 2020, so we have about maybe two years and two months. So if you put it in the timeline, then October 2022 would be around two years and it will kind of fall into place in terms of the kind of generational updates of those cameras. In my opinion, we will see Z6 Mark III and Z7 Mark III cameras this year, maybe quite late to the year, so maybe the third or fourth quarter, and possibly Z8. I don't see Z4 or Z5 Mark II is happening, but I could be wrong on this one. Yeah, I mean, we've been pleasantly and unpleasantly surprised before, so we just have to... <laughs> Wait and see what Nikon have in store for us. Absolutely. Hopefully the more rumors will come out soon. Okay, well, let's swiftly move on to Z9 coverage. Becky, do we have any updates on UK deliveries? Not a tremendous update, unfortunately. They have still been very, very slow, uh, but we are hoping to see an improvement within the next month or so. That's a very vague promise that we've been given. I really hope that it speeds up sooner than that. But I have a slight, maybe, maybe this is... Uh, not valid, but I have a slight suspicion that it has something 
something to do with the fact that the financial quarter will be up in April and then hopefully we'll see some more stock after that. That's true. And then generally before the end of the financial quarter, they and it's will be at the end of financial year, they generally try to push as many units out as possible just to improve their financial numbers. So hopefully we will see a large shipment close to the end of the month. Now, if you go into the United States, according to Tom Hogan, he has certain assumptions and he says that if you are NPS and order through the NPS Priority Purchase Program, you'll get your Z9 in the next shipment, which is typically happening every two to four weeks. So hopefully in US it's going to be better. And then the rest of you will get your Z9 within three months. We've also seen emails from other US retailers that have been forwarded to us by people who are on those mailing lists, just to say the fact of the matter is that there are more orders occurring than production can keep up with. So there is a higher demand than production can can keep up with. And so because of that, if you aren't an NPS member, or if you're not in the USA, if you're in any other part of the world, you, you do have to expect from now a three to four month lead time. That's true. Paul's photo generally gets good updates via email on their Z9 allocations or do receive their emails. Now, what Tom says that his advice is if you want Z9 by summer, then get in queue now. It's unlikely the demand is going to go down with Z9 anytime soon. It's more likely that it will go up. Now, he what he says as well that he thinks that the initial demand, so pre-orders on the day one effectively, has been filled at this point, and it looks like it, it took Nikon three months to get to the point, and it will probably take another three months to fill the remaining current demand. Yeah, let's move on to the Z9 test. So now I've been in communication with Bill Maynard, who published the video on his YouTube channel, which is called Cool Wildlife One, and he published this video, which is called Nikon Z9, 120 frames per second for birds in flight stills and wildlife photography for still images and large prints. Now, what he's doing is he's actually using Z9 at 120 frames per second, which gives you 11 megapixel RAW file. And then he's using enlarging software, something like Topaz Gigapixel AI, to get the larger print. If you're interested, do go and have a watch of that. Then there is some beautiful bird photography in there as well. That's true. I remember back in the day when I had D200, I used to use this software which is called Genuine Fractals and I think it was uh, owned by On One Software. They've renamed it now by effectively what they did, it would enlarge the 10 megapixels files from D200 and would allow me to print easily up to A0 sizes and I had exhibition, I used those for that. It did a really, well, reasonably good job I would say, so I can't imagine what this type of software can do nowadays with all the machine learning and AI improvements. Mm -hmm. Speaking of bird photography, we also have Luko Yesenko on YouTube published a video called Pelicans and Fly. Nikon Z9 video autofocus test. Now, I'm sure we all know that autofocus of the Z9 is really good, but you haven't seen such a beautiful footage of pelicans flying. I just leave it there because it looks pretty. You should watch it because it looks pretty. Okay, and moving on from the Z9, Alec Griffin has published the best memory cards for the Nikon Z62 and Z72 on his website with test shots. There's a couple of interesting takeaways here about CF Express support not being as good as it is on the Z9. The interesting bit about this that the top performance, like let's say Delkin Black Card for Z9, which Rich recommended, actually doesn't perform as well for on Z62 and Z72 cameras, which is a very interesting thing. If you look at uh, SD cards, you pretty much can't go wrong with any of them. If you look at XQD cards, all the Sony cards with 400 megabyte per second, they do really well as well. And in terms of this, Z6 and Z7 Mark IIs are not the sports and wildlife cameras. So in terms of this, I think any memory card should perform really well. But if you do want to see actually the 
proper buffer tests and read and writing tests, then do definitely check out this article. There's a lot of interesting information. And speaking of memory cards, Nikon have updated their approved list of memory cards for the Z cameras. So this is from Nikon Tech Support. If you want to check which memory cards are supported, go and have a look at the article. We'll include the link in the description. All right, and then we have also Nikon Corp issued an update of changes of directors and officers within the company. So very political, very interesting. I can't understand any of this, but if you like Game of Thrones or any political dramas, Game of Thrones, obviously political drama, then do check this PDF out. Great, it's not quite as dramatic as uh, House of cards or game of thrones but you know there's all right i'll call it west wing then now moving on to recent awards in the nikon world australian photographer matthew abbott actually won the nikon walkie press photographer of the year competition you can see the full list of winners which we will include the description box but just to give you a little synopsis a little biography on matthew abbott he is a sydney-based documentary photographer widely recognized for documenting social, cultural and environmental stories in contemporary suburban and regional Australia. He's also a regular contributor to the New York Times and other international media. And the Walkie Foundation Awards are the highest honor in Australian journalism. Fantastic. And then moving to Japan for some other awards, Nikon Vertical Movie Award 2022 winners have been announced. Remember we talked about Nikon Vertical Movie Award is award about using your Z9 or Z6 Mark II camera in a vertical mode, basically shooting the video in iPhone position so the winners of that has been announced and the grand prize went to Dai Morishita for her work develop and if you would like to have a look at it as well as other winners then do definitely check out the winners in the link in description below fantastic and now our favorite topics as we called the things we don't understand where I read the title and Becky reads the description the title says Nikon expands lineup of C3 Emotion Intelligent Actuator Units for robotic joints used in collaborative robot. Okay, Nikon is pleased to announce the expansion of its C3 Emotion Intelligent Actuator Unit lineup, each of which combines vital robotic joint components, including a motor, speed reducer, motor driver, brake, and encoders together into one package. Nikon will now offer the new IAU30 and IAU300 types, which differ in terms of size, torque, and other characteristics. Aren't we glad they did that? Yeah, it would be nice instead of them calling those units, instead of IAU, instead of IOU30 or IOU300 or whatever money it is. Now, in terms of what these units are for, many manufacturers currently face labor shortages, as we all know, and as they need to implement production facility automation and labor saving in response, there is an increasing demand for robots that can work cooperatively alongside humans. This is iRobot all over again. However, because robots comprise a wide array of components such as motors, speed reducers, motor drivers, etc., all the things we just talked about, sophisticated skills and know-how are required to coordinate all of these. So the C3 eMotion that Nikon have produced combines all of these things into a single package robotic joint, which can be used together with a robotic arm to form a robotic joint structure. I wish I could put a Terminator 2 soundtrack while you were reading it, but unfortunately we would get copyright tracked on that. As we all know, the robots are going 
gonna take over the world, so put that tinfoil hat on and get ready. Okay, well, let's move on to third party news now. Wheel Trucks released a silver set of their 23, 33, and 56mm 1.4DX lenses available for Nikon Z mount. So, those are available at Wheel Trucks store only, but they do ship internationally. So, if you're interested in those and you want to match maybe your ZFC with one of the silver lenses, it might be a good way to do that. I was gonna say these would only really work aesthetically with the ZFC with its sort of chrome finish it doesn't make a huge amount of sense to put it with a Z50 although if you like silver lenses then why not yeah I mean I'm not a really big fan of silver lenses but I know a lot of let's say rangefinder users like Leica and obviously Nikon S users they don't mind to have silver lenses because if you got this nice panda camera then it looks quite nice together true all right yeah well the next one up I'm sure you're gonna enjoy this so Backblaze published the 2021 drive stats review now this one is SSD edition so remember about three months ago, we talked about Backblaze publishing the hard drive failure guide. And Backblaze is a big online cloud backup company. So basically what you can do, and I've subscribed to them, is I have my backup in-house. Yeah, and then I also have my backup in cloud. So any updates on my photography library eventually will end up in the cloud as well. So just in case, if let's say my local hard drive fails, I will have a cloud backup. So... Normally, those large drives, they're hard drives, so they're not solid-state drives. So what Backblaze does as well is they have SSD drives to power up those computers with all that storage. And what they did is they actually published a failure stats for those drives. Right, okay. What looks like it's the best? Because I don't understand half of these abbreviations. Okay, well, those stats are showing how many SSD drives of certain manufacturers, certain models have failed. So generally, it's good to know when you purchase an SSD drive, it might be worth considering. And Generally, nowadays, you would buy your SSD drive for your operating system if you're on a PC computer. So you want your fast drive to boot your operating system, something like Windows. You also may want to have your SSD drive while you're working on your videos, let's say in 4K and 8K, or on your photography library. So what you normally would do is you would work with those videos and stills on SSD, and then you would move them once they kind of finished, once you finished work with them, you would move them to external hard drive, something like 14 terabytes or 18 terabytes, et cetera, et cetera. So those stats just show you the models that you may want to avoid when purchasing an SSD drive. One of the things that are interesting, they, they show the crucial SSD drive, which has 43% of failure. Now, I wouldn't jump on that conclusion. What they say is they just started to use those drives. So they only have 1,689 of them, while like they have Dell SSD drive, which they have 63. 3,000 units. So it's a very limited sample. So because they've just implemented them in December 2021, I wouldn't really look at this result as a kind of definitive result. I would maybe wait for another year. So just because they have it for three months and actually almost half of them failed, it's still not a good image for their hard drive. So I would personally still avoid that. Yes. In terms of other brands, it looks like if you look at the year on year results, and they've obviously been using some of the same drives for the last three years, ones that haven't seen any failures are, for example, the Dell Boss VD, which is a 500 gig SSD, or we've also got a Micron Systems 240 gig or we've got a, a Seagate 480 gig. None, none of those have actually seen any failures in the last three years, which is quite positive. That's true. And then also they are liking uh, Samsung drives, which are quite popular, as well as WD drives. I have a question for you, Becky. How's your photography backup going? My backup is going great. I have a couple of external hard drives, and then I've got my external hard drive at 
home which never moves and that is kind of like the master backup. I do think that I probably need to make it a little bit of a tidier organizational system. But overall, between that and the cloud, I've also got cloud storage backup. I have photos in multiple places. So I know that even if one fails on me, I'll be able to recover it in some other way. Fantastic. Well, if you want to learn more about this, I also did a live stream on that with me, just me, which was my first one. And probably it was a train wreck. But if you want to improve on your photography backup, do check out this live stream. It's on YouTube somewhere. Just do your search. Excellent. Now, moving on to film photography related matters. Ilford film paper and chemicals will increase in price later this month. In a document sent to dealers this week, Carmen announced increases for Ilford and Kentmere branded film, as well as its line of photographic papers and darkroom chemicals. The price rise takes effect from the 14th of March, so doesn't really give you much time to get your orders in, particularly as a lot of places are actually out of stock of these things. Well, the good news is that at least the black and white film is in better supply compared to color film. Uh, color film is like gold dust nowadays. But uh, yeah, if you shop around, I'm sure you will be able to score a couple of Wilford films like HP5s. And uh, apparently XP2 film is pretty good. It's, uh, it's a C41 film, so it's not traditional black and white. But what's good about it is actually you can scan it and you can get a dust removal, while on the traditional black and white films, you can't get the IC dust removal within the software. Mm. Now for our review section. Photography blog reviewed the Nikon Z 28mm f2.8 lens. They said that this lens is a surprisingly good performer optically, given its bargain price tag. Even more of a bargain in the US with its $30 discount. It says being pin sharp in the center throughout virtually all of the frame, even when shooting wide open at f2.8. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the edge performance on a full frame camera like the Z9 isn't as good as when we tested the lens on a DX sensor camera, but it's still more than respectable for such a cheap lens. Now, Con and I actually also reviewed this lens and the 40mm pancake a, a few months back, and the review video went up on our website, up on YouTube a couple of weeks ago. So if you're interested in what we thought of those two focal lengths, although it wasn't a bench test and it wasn't a lab test, it was more of a in the field test, please do go check out our video. Exactly. And we also reviewed Z24-120 f4S lens as well. And that video came out on Sunday last week. So do check this out as well about our thoughts and opinions on 24-120 f4 lens. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just going to say Here it Here you once. go. You said it. <laughs> Finally. Okay. Next up, we have why the 100 to 400 millimeter lens is incredible for landscape photography. And this is Nikon Z9 in Antarctica by Nigel Danson on YouTube. So he's using the 100 to 400 in Antarctica on the Z9. Absolutely loves it for landscape photography. Go and check out his video and uh, his incredible photography as well. And speaking of the long lenses, Matt Irvin used 400 millimeter 2.8 VR lens as a portrait lens. Can you imagine that, Becky? Why not, indeed? <laughs> I personally think that the best portrait lens that will ever come out will be the 800mm. So I just can't wait for this, saving all those tens of thousands of pounds. Hopefully I can afford one eventually. Yeah, but Matt had some great fun with the 400mm doing some portraiture. Obviously, he's not usually a sort of wildlife sports long telephoto user. As a rule, he's more of a, a street portraiture environmental photographer. Uh, so it's interesting to see his take on this long lens. So do go and have a look at his video when you 
get a moment. Indeed. And speaking of math uh, and moving on to our weekend reads and watch section, we had a really nice chat with Matt on our last week's Friday live stream where we talked about everything Nikon photography industry. We also had a discussion about the state of film photography as well. So for some of you who haven't seen it yet, definitely do check this video out. I really enjoyed that conversation and thank you, Matt, for joining us last week. It was a great video. I did watch it after the fact. It was a bit early for me, to be honest. <laughs> so I couldn't join in live, but I watched it after breakfast and, uh, and it was a really good discussion. Fantastic. And then we also have a nice video from Jason Poland, which is called Nikon ZFC, a love story from Prague. Now, Jason Poland, he is a, what called behind the scenes photographer for the, on the movie sets. So he walks around the Prague and he talks about Nikon ZFC, the settings, how he use it, how to do a quick work on the images from the camera, etc., etc. So a quite a nice video, I would say. Excellent. Last up, we have the World Photography Organization who've announced the professional finalists and shortlisted photographs for its Sony World Photography Awards 2022 photo competition. The winning photograph for Photographer of the Year 2022 award will be selected from the professional finalists on April 12th, and it will be part of an exhibit set to take place from April 13th through to May the 2nd at Somerset House in London. To see the finalists, head to the World Photography Organization website and we'll put a link in the description. Box. And while it's uh, sponsored by Sony, it doesn't mean that all the images were taken with Sony cameras. It's actually, you can take a part in this competition with any camera you have, starting from film to latest digital. That's great. Fantastic. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for watching and or listening. If you're on the podcast platforms, please give us a follow and a review. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Please give us a like and a subscribe. We would super appreciate it. Exactly. And then if you want to find us on the Instagrams of the world, Becky can be found at Rebecca underscore Denezi on Instagram. And you? I'm at Constant Kochkin. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye. We won't see you next week <laughs> because you're on because you're on holiday. That's true. Thank you very much. We're going to take a short break for next week, but we will release a new Nikon report in about two weeks time. And this Friday, Becky is going to be back into the live stream still from Zoom abroad, but we're going to have a nice conversation of everything Nikon. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. We will see you soon. Bye-bye.